Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to church today. We're so glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. We love having guests at Epic Church. And if you're viewing online today, we want to say thanks for tuning in today. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And I got to admit, I feel a little bit like a little bird that's been let out of his cage a little bit today, okay? For the last four months or so, we've been doing a lot of church online. And when we would speak online as communicators, our tech team would have us hint into a little square of about three by three. And that's just not my style. If you've been around Epic very much, you know that. Uh, so today is my first day back on stage. And uh, you guys that are running the cameras, just put your seatbelt on. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to have a good time uh, today. Okay. So thanks for being at church today. We're going to dive back into our current sermon series that we're looking in, the book of Philippians. And the title of this series is called To Live is Christ. And what we're learning is what the Apostle Paul is teaching us about how to be uh, Christ followers, how to live a kind of life that honors and pleases Christ in our culture and our society today. Let me begin by asking you a question, okay? How many of you like to read? Let me see your hands, all right? Yeah, we got a lot of readers in the house. I love to read. I keep three or four books going all the time. Uh, some of the favorite, my most favorite books to read are biographies and autobiographies. Anybody else like to read about people? I like to read about people, especially people who are successful and people who are famous. And the reason I love to read about them is so that I can kind of understand some of those things that they're doing in their life or some of those attitudes or, or, or decisions that they've made that have made made them who they are, made them kind of like recognizable household names. And I just want to show you a few pictures of some of my favorite people that I've read about. This is a guy by the name of Franklin Graham. If you don't know who Franklin Graham is, he's the son of Billy Graham. How would you like to fill that, those shoes? And uh, Franklin Graham wrote a book uh, several years ago called a Rebel with a Cause. And he talked about how he struggled with being the son of Billy Graham and how he became the leader of what I believe is one of the greatest serving ministries globally today called Samaritan's Purse. It's a great story. Uh, another one of my favorite books that I read is a guy about a guy by the name of Michael English. Uh, back in the early 90s, Michael Inglis was kind of a pioneer in the contemporary Christian music world. And he, was, he had climbed his way to the top of the charts, so to speak, and he had smash hits like uh, In Christ Alone and Mary Did You Know and some other signature songs that he was known for. And in the early 90s, he was at the pinnacle of his career in the Christian contemporary uh, Christian, uh, I can't even speak today, contemporary Christian music and he got caught up in drugs. He got caught up in perversion. And he got caught up in pornography. And his career tanked. And he spent about almost 20 years just living a life in the muck and mud of that, of that stuff. God redeemed him and his story is an amazing story. And he's back on the national scene now and continuing to make music and, and, and doing really, really well. Another guy, I'm a big sports fan, is this guy right here, this guy by the name of Jimmy Johnson. I was a big University of Miami Hurricanes fan back in the day when they were really good, okay, back in the 80s, all right? They're not so good nowadays, but they're coming back, I think. But back in the 80s, Jimmy Johnson was the coach of the Miami Hurricanes, and he, he kind of resurrected that college football program, and, and he had an amazing work ethic. And out of his success at the University of Miami, uh, he got a job with the Dallas Cowboys. And when he took the job with the Dallas Cowboys, 
Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys were like, I mean, they were like one of the worst teams in the league and had been for a long, long time. And the title of Jimmy's book was called Turning the Thing Around. And he talked about how he got that opportunity and how he worked hard and his perseverance and his work ethic drove him to lead the Dallas Cowboys back to being America's team and won several Super Bowls with them. And then one of my favorite all-time people, because I'm a huge music fan, uh, I'm a huge patriot, is a guy by the name of Charlie Daniels. How many of you know who Charlie Daniels is? Devil Went Down to Jordan? Yeah, that's my kind of music, okay? Charlie died last month. And uh, he wrote a book. His last book that he wrote was called Never Look at the Empty Seats. And he had a passion for people. And, And he toured for over six decades in the country music industry. And he's an icon um, today. And he talked about how important people are. But one of the things I love about Charlie Daniels, this is something that people don't know about him, he's an amazing Christian. He's an amazing Christ follower. He's actually written a devotional book that is one of my favorites of all time as well. And then if we knew what the Apostle Paul looked like, we would put his picture right here, all right? That's not a silhouette of me, okay? Uh, And uh, if you were to Google the Apostle Paul, there's going to be a lot of pictures that come up. He probably didn't look like any of them, but he could have. Uh, And the reason that I love the Apostle Paul is because of letters that he wrote, like the letter of Philippians. And uh, what we've learned so far is that as we walk through the book of Philippians, we've learned that, and when you think of it in terms like this, if we think of the book of Philippians, it's kind of like a letter in Paul's autobiography. Because Paul, when he writes this letter, he's sitting in a Roman jail cell and he writes this letter to the church that he helped to start back in Philippi. And he tells them everything that he has learned since he met Jesus. He he teaches them principle after principle and truth after truth about how they can learn to live like Jesus. And some of the things that we've learned in this study, uh, in this series over the last four weeks, are things that we can apply to our life right now. We learned, first of all, uh, that the only way to live for Christ is to live with Christ. And Trent talked about the with God life, where we invite God into our life every single day. He also taught us that our responsibilities as Christians are more important than our rights as citizens. We also learned that we must have the same humble attitude that Jesus had. The Bible says that it was humility, it was the attitude of humility that drove Jesus to step out of heaven, to come to this earth, to live as a human being, and ultimately lay down his life on Calvary's cross for our sins. We also learn that God is calling us. God is calling us to shine brightly in a dark world that desperately needs him. In a nutshell, what we've learned in Philippians, uh, the first three chapters of Philippians is that, is that the Apostle Paul never let his current struggles, his current trials, his current difficulties in life distract him from his mission as a Christ follower. And the takeaway for you and I today is that we, God wants the same thing for us. 
He doesn't want us to be distracted by the difficulties of life that we face. He doesn't want us to be, be distracted by the, uh, the cultural conversations that are happening. Uh, God wants us to rise above those things. And the only way we can rise above those things and be the kind of witness and be the kind of Christ follower that God has for us is if we understand from books like Philippians in the Bible and from writers like Paul what it means to be a Christ follower. Last week, Trent unpacked Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And what we basically learned from, from Trent last week is that Paul had one specific priority in his life. And this was the thing that made him tick. This was the thing that got him up every single day and that motivated him to live his life in a way that would honor and please the Lord Jesus Christ every single day. Listen to it in Philippians chapter three and verse number 10. Paul says, my goal is to know him. You know who the him is there? That's Jesus, okay? Paul said, my goal is to know him. It's the reason I get up every single day. It's the reason that I deal with the difficulties and struggles in life the way that I do. It's, it's what makes me tick, so to speak. And he says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. And can I just submit to us today, that should be our priority as well. If you know Christ is your Lord and as your Savior, there's been a moment in time where you've crossed the line of faith and you've said yes to Jesus and you've placed your faith and trust to him, then we ought to be on this never-ending, unending quest to be like Jesus every single day and to know him more and more. And today we're going to unpack Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. And we're going to kind of do it in two parts. Uh, we're going to talk about Paul's plan, first of all, because he's going to give us a simple plan of how we can live to be like Jesus, how we can learn to know him better. And then we're going to look at Paul's perspective in verses 15 through 21. Now, before we dive into that, let me remind you what Trent told us way back in part number one, uh, almost uh, five weeks ago. What Trent told us at the beginning of this series is that this series is particularly for Christians. It's primarily for those of us who, who consider ourselves Christ followers. We've received the eternal free gift of salvation. We've acknowledged our sin before God, and we've invited Jesus to become our Lord and, and, to, be our, and to be our Savior. And the title of this series reflects that because Paul said in, in chapter one, in verse number 21, he said, for me, living is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, so today I want to talk about how we can live like Jesus. So let me ask you another question. How many of you who are Christ followers, you would honestly, sincerely today, Pastor Brian, you would say, I want to live like Jesus today. Can I see your hands? All right, cool. Thank you so much for being transparent and honest. And I've got my hand up as well because I want to learn to be like Jesus. I want to learn how to live like Jesus. And in verse number 12 and verse number 13, the Apostle Paul gives us some practical things that will help us to do just that. Look at what he says in verse number 12. Philippians 3, verse 12, Paul says this, not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take a hold of it because I have also taken hold 
of it by Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying there? Here's what Paul's saying there. If I'm gonna learn to live like Jesus, I've gotta learn to be open-minded about my position in Christ. I've got to realize and understand that no matter uh, how much I learn and how much I grow, I'm never going to arrive at being everything that Jesus wants me to be until he takes me off of this earth and I enter into that perfect place called heaven forever and ever and ever. And listen, if the apostle Paul himself had, had room to grow as a Christ follower, guess what? I do too. And we all do. Because Paul says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature. In other words, I'm nowhere near being like Jesus and I've got a long, long way to go. And if the Apostle Paul had to say that, you and I need to be open-minded about our position in Christ and realize that every single day is an opportunity for us to get to know him better, to get to go deeper in our relationship with him and put in the practices, the things that he is teaching us so that we can be like him and make a difference in other people's lives. You see, at one time, the Apostle Paul, and we've learned this already in this series, the Apostle Paul was what I call a pious, arrogant, cocky, prideful Pharisee. And listen, when it comes to Team Jesus, nobody wants to be on Team Pharisee. Jesus didn't have a whole lot of nice things to say about uh, the arrogant, cocky, pious religious leaders of his day. And Paul used to be one of those. But Paul came to a point in his life when he met Jesus that he realized, you know what? That life is not the kind of life that I was created for. That is not the life that God has for me, that he wants for me to experience. And the life that I live, I now live for Jesus. And he spent the rest of his days, and here we are 2,000 years later, looking at one of his letters and still talking about him as one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. And he realized, you know what, I got room to grow. And we all do. So he says we got to be open-minded about our position in Christ. Second thing he teaches us, verse number 13, he says this right here, says, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. He says we got to be single-minded about the present. We got to be open-minded about our position, but we got to be single-minded about the present. He says, but one thing I do. Notice that present tense. He didn't say there's two or three things I need to do. He didn't say there's 10 or 12 things that I got to get accomplished. He said, my goal today, one thing that I do today is what? To get to know Jesus better and to live like him in a way that would honor and glorify him. So I got to be single-minded about the present. Can I just encourage you with something that I hope will help you today? Because this is what the Bible teaches about our life on this side of eternity, church. All we have is today. All we have is today. And what the Apostle Paul wants us to realize and understand is we need to be focused in the moment, living like Jesus today. Proverbs 27 and verse number one says, don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring. You know what? I I talk to people a lot and a lot of times I hear people say something like, well, Pastor Brian, one day I'm going to do so-and-so. One day I'm going to settle down. One day I'm going to start coming to church. Uh, One day I'm going to spend time with my kids. One day I'm going to start a new business. One day I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to chase the dream. And you know what the apostle Paul would want us to say? One day is today. Life, Life is not about one day. Life is about 
today. And we need to be single-minded in, 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 the, in the present. I came across a quote a few, uh, a few weeks ago in a, in a conference that we attended, and, and I don't even remember who the communicator was, but he made this quote, and it just stuck out in my mind, and I wrote it down as I was preparing for this message, and he said this, that 70 per, to 80% of all people today, that our thought life is focused on the past, and it's focused on the future. If that's true, then there are a lot, not a lot of people alive today who are living in the here and the now that are taking advantage of the opportunities that God has given us today. And Paul says, we gotta be open-minded about our position. We gotta realize we got room to grow. We gotta be single-minded about the present and live in the moment, learning and growing to be like Jesus today and taking advantage of the opportunities that we have today. And then he says, we gotta be closed-minded about our past. And this is huge. We've got to be close-minded about our past. Look at what he says in the second part of verse 13. He says, forgetting what is behind and reach forward to what is ahead. Turn to your neighbor and say, forget what's behind. Just turn to your neighbor and say, forget what's behind. Okay? Uh, he says, we got to be close-minded about our past. And I think what Paul's saying here is if I'm going to live like Jesus today, then I've got to bury my past and guess what? The Apostle Paul had one, and that's been documented in this series. And if you missed any, any particular part of this series, let me encourage you to go back to any of our social media sites or our website and get caught up because what you will learn about the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter to the church in Philippi, as he's being transparent and open about what he has learned about how to live like Jesus, he was very open about his past. Uh, Paul, even to the point to where he contributed to, mur to the murder of Christians and the imprisonment uh, of Christ's followers. And Paul's saying, you know what? I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm reaching forward to what is ahead. You know what? I'm convinced that many Christians today have a hard time living like Jesus and being like Jesus because they're trying to live life looking in the rearview mirror all the time. Have you ever tried to ride down Interstate 95 looking in the rearview mirror all the time? I would submit it's impossible for you to focus totally and solely in that rearview mirror and get to where you're going safely. You know what? There's a reason why that rearview mirror is small in proportion to that big old windshield that we're looking out of as we're driving. You know why that is? Because what, what's back there is not nearly as important as what's up there. And what the Apostle Paul is teaching us is that, you know what, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter what your past experience has been, no matter what your lifestyle has been like, no matter what poor choices and decisions that you made, guess what? You can bury your past, but guess what? We need to learn to leave it there. We need to learn to leave it there. And Paul says we need to be closed-minded about our past. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but somebody needs to hear this, okay? And I just really felt like God wants me to say this to somebody today, okay? I don't care what your past has been like today and why you showed up at Epic Church today, but here's what I want you to know. Here's what the Apostle Paul wants us to know. Jesus died for your past. He died for your past, so leave it there. Leave it where it belongs. Doesn't mean that you can't learn from it, 
But Paul says, I gotta, I gotta forget what's behind because I'm looking forward to what's ahead. There's a great verse that you ought to memorize if you struggle living in your past. It's Romans chapter eight and verse number one. It says, there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because we belong to Christ Jesus, the power of his life-giving spirit has freed us from the power of sin, which leads to death. That's good news. And then he says in verse number 14, I love verse number 14. He says, I pursue. Everybody say pursue. I pursue as my goal uh, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. I've already led on to my age a little bit. I'll turn 50 years old in December of this year. And uh, I'm a product of the 80s, 70s and the 80s. In 1977, there's one of the greatest movies of all time, as far as I'm concerned. It's called The Smokey and the Bandit. Everybody remember that movie? Burt Reynolds, Jackie Gleason, uh, Buford T. Justice. And when I think about this idea of pursuit, that's where my mind goes to 1977, Smokey and the Bandit. It was on TV the other night and I watched it again, probably for the hundredth time or whatever. But old Buford T. Justice Jackie Gleason, he pursued the bandit in that movie. And he pursued him all the way from Texas to Atlanta, Georgia. And, and, and throughout all those states that he traveled pursuing the bandit, he lost his hubcaps, he lost his fenders, he lost his roof, he lost his, his door got smashed in. And, and, and what did he do? He just kept on pursuing. He just kept on following. He just kept on chasing. You know what? That's the picture that the Apostle Paul wants us to get in verse number 14 when he says, I pursue as my goal. He says, you know what? I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been lost at sea. I've been whipped. I've been arrested. I've been jailed. But he says, you know what? I'm just going to keep on pursuing. I pursue as my goal, the prize that God has for me in verse number 14. So let me ask you a question today. What are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? What is it in your life that you're pursuing? Here's a better question. Who are you pursuing? Apostle Paul says we need to be pursuing Jesus. Because when we pursue Jesus and we learn how to live like Jesus, like Trent said a few weeks ago, people are going to come to know Jesus and other Christians are going to be encouraged and strengthened in their faith. And in verses number 15 through 21... Here's where he makes an application. He says, therefore, all who are mature should think this way. Here comes Paul's perspective. Here's the perspective that we should have, all right? Uh, and, And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and I'll say it again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross. Their end is their destruction, and their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but look at verse number 20. This is big, this is huge, but our, who's our? Christ followers, Christians, people who know Jesus as our Lord and as their Savior. He says, our citizenship is in where? Heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. 
Citizenship, church, is important. If you're a Christ follower, Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. Let me help you out here for just a moment, okay? As Christ followers, we don't become citizens of heaven when we leave planet earth at our death. We become citizens of heaven when we say yes to Jesus and receive him at salvation. So that gives us victory. That gives us freedom. That gives us power. That gives us focus. That gives us the energy that, that, that we need to live like Christ every single day. And as Christ's followers, we're part of this heavenly colony on earthly soil. Just like Philippi was a Roman colony on Grecian soil. And Paul says that our citizenship is important. It matters how we live. Because when we live in a way that honors and pleases God, you know what we're doing? We're representing our homeland. And when we represent our homeland, it gains us influence in the world. So what do I got to do to live like a citizen of heaven? What do I got to do to live like a citizen of heaven? Number one, Paul tells us I have to be loyal to heaven's cause. I have to be loyal to heaven's cause. Look at what he says in verse number 17. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Church, can I tell you the cross of Christ is a theme of Christianity. It's the theme of the Bible. It's the heart of the gospel. Uh, without it, we don't have good news. It's the reason why there's praise in heaven when somebody says yes to Jesus and receives him as Savior and Lord. It's proof that God loves sinners because the Bible says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And it's proof that God hates sin because when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God turned his back on his son for just a brief moment in history because he's perfect and holy and couldn't have anything to do with sin. And the cross of Christ is the message of Christianity. And here's what we need to know and understand today as Christ followers. We can't be enemies of the cross and citizens of heaven at the same time. Because without the cross, there is no good news. Can I show you something that I just discovered in John 3, 16? I've been, I learned this verse when I was a small child. The King James Version says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That verse right there is 25, wor 25 words. The first 12 words have to do with everything that God has done for mankind to make a way for us to know him and be forgiven of our sins. The second half of that verse, the last 12 words of those verses, has to do with man's response to that and what will happen if we, we, we receive what God God has done for us. And who's in the middle? Jesus. Smack dab in the middle of what God offered humanity and what humanity desperately needed. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, it's as if he reached up and grabbed the hand of almighty God, the father, and he reached down and grabbed the man, the, the hand of humanity. And he said, this relationship can be restored now. It can be fixed because of what I'm doing on Calvary's cross. And if I'm going to live like Jesus and have influence in my world, guess what? I have to be loyal to the cause of Christ. I have to be loyal to the cross of Christ. 
Second thing I have to do is I have to look for heaven's Lord. I have to look for heaven's Lord. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. How? By the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. There's tremendous power, folks. There's tremendous power and energy in the life of a believer who will live like Jesus in the present and look forward to their future hope. I would encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12 today. What you'll find is that guys like Abraham looked for a city that God had prepared, whose builder and maker was God, but he was content on this side of eternity to to live in a tent in a temporary dwelling because he knew what his future glory was going to hold. You'll learn about guys like Moses uh, who looked for the rewards of heaven, but he was willing to forsake uh, the, the riches of being born, uh, of being, uh, growing up in Egyptian Pharaoh's household and live with the Jews like, like slaves because he knew what his future reward was going to be. Hebrews chapter 12 says, because of the joy set before him, Jesus was willing to endure the cross. You know who the joy is in that verse? It's you and me. Jesus went to the cross and he did it with joy for you and for me. And when we receive Jesus, that gives us victory. And the fact that Jesus Christ is returning is a powerful motive for living as citizens of heaven today. So we gotta be open-minded about our position. We gotta be single-minded about our present. We gotta be close-minded about our past. We gotta live for heaven's cause and we gotta look for heaven's Lord. Because here's the bottom line, church, and this is good news for all of us today. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Eternity is real, and Jesus is coming back. And if you're here today and you don't know him as your Lord and as your Savior, I can't think of a better time to say yes to Jesus than right now, today, at Epic Church. Nail it down. Get it right. Ask Jesus into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, and help you to live like him. If you make that decision today, would you stop by our care station on your way out? We'd love to celebrate with you today. We'd love to pray for you or with you about anything that's going on in your life. I'm going to pray for us and then our band's going to come and lead us in one more song as we wrap up our service. And I hope you guys have an amazing, great Sunday afternoon. God, I love you today. And I thank you so much for your true word and the privilege, um, God, that we have to open it and read it every single day, every single week. And uh, Lord, thanks for the clarity that we have from the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians of how to be like you. And I pray, God, you'd help us to apply these principles to our life today so that we can leave this place transformed and changed uh, to represent you as citizens of heaven on this earth and make a difference in people's lives that will last for all of eternity. Bless our time together as we close in singing. For it's all these things we pray and ask in your name. Amen.